Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Plumfield in Person. Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft, and I'm here with Sarah Masaryk, and today we have Tanya Arnold of BiblioGuides, and Jeanette Tulis, one of our library ladies, and Jill Morgan from Purple House Press. Thanks for coming, ladies. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. This is another one of our landmark book, book club discussions, and we are thrilled to be able to talk about combat nurses today because A, it's an excellent book, B, because it was reprinted by Jill, and C, Jill has more news about combat nurses that's very exciting that we want to share with everybody. So Tanya, Jeanette, Jill, thank you for being here. Nice to be here. Thank you. Really glad I can be part of this group. I really love this book. Yeah, thank you for having us. I'm so excited to be here. Let's start off by talking about how we first came across this book. Jeanette, do you have an In the Wild original or do you have a reprint? Well, I have an In the Wild original, but um, not exactly In the Wild because I was looking for it for one thing. (laughs) And it was one of those, you know, on my list Mm -hmm. that I didn't have. I think I was down to eight maybe that I didn't have landmarks. Wow. And so just on a lark one day, I thought, you know, I'm just going to do a Google search for it and see what comes up. And because I've I've done that before and been really surprised at the results because you get you get really interesting results. So this time I found this book in Germany. Wow. And um, I thought, okay, this can't be the mm-hmm. book. But I looked at it and it was. And not only that, it was $8. <gasps> no way. <laughs> yes, it was. Oh, wow. And so I think I had to like trade dollars and I mean I had to do all like the exchange rate and all that and it ended up being maybe ten dollars but I think it included shipping and it was crazy because it came from a warehouse in Chicago but it was sold out of Germany so yeah do google searches for the books you want because you never know what turns up and I really didn't believe I would have it until, you know, it came mail and it did. And it's, I mean, it's perfect condition. It's just, I mean, it's just a beautiful copy. Oh my, it is gorgeous. <laughs> that is amazing. Tanya, what about yours? I do want to share what Jeanette said is so important. Sarah Kim got her copy of Captain Kid, I believe, also from either Germany or France, the Amazon or eBay. So if you're looking online and you see it, on a site from out of the country, you should still look to see if they'll ship it. And and I've also ordered from eBay UK, but it shipped from Minneapolis or somewhere oh. in Kentucky or it's I don't know how these things work. Um Wow. So definitely be willing to shop broad when you're shopping for your books. Yeah. So my my copy I just I don't really recall how I found it. I purchased it quite a few years ago before it had really gone up in price. So I have a vintage copy and I didn't read it until I was preparing for this podcast. Uh, But a couple weeks ago, I'd gone down to my library and pulled it off the shelf and put it on my nightstand. And my parents, as if people have been listening, they know my parents live close and they often come over. And my mom came over and she said, Tanya, I am reading this most excellent book right now. And it is about nurses in World War II. And I thought, well, that's odd. I'm reading a book about nurses in World War II. It's on my nightstand. <laughs> and my little eight-year-old ran to my bedroom and got the book. And my mom's telling me about it. And my eight-year-old comes and says, is this the book you're reading, Nana? And my mom said, that very book. That's the one I'm reading. <laughs> and in my head, I thought, this is a rare book. Where mm-hmm. did you get a copy of it? Because usually my mom, um, she reads a lot, but out of my library. And I had my book. And she said, oh, I was out on a walk a few weeks ago. And that little free library down at the bottom of the street, I just thought I'd look in it. And there was this book. And she said, and I looked at it and I thought, well, maybe I'll take that home. And then I got it home and I thought, oh, I don't know if that's any good. Maybe I'll just go take it to the thrift store. And then I looked at it again and I thought... I don't know. Maybe I'll just go ahead and read it. And then, Tanya, I read it. It is so good. And I just said, Mom, are you sure that's the book you have? This exact book? And so then I went over 
because I thought she was right, but I couldn't believe she was right. And sure enough, <laughs> she had a copy of Combat Nurses. And it was literally two weeks before we were going to have this book discussion. And I just thought, well, isn't that serendipitous again? I don't believe in coincidences. <laughs> it's meant to be. Jill, you were meant to republish it. <laughs> and it was just fun to see my mom is almost 80 and of a different generation. And sometimes our reading tastes don't align. Often they do. And she was mesmer. I mean, she was smitten with this book, which made me really excited to also read it and discuss it today. Your mom must be such a fan of Purple House Press because all of the books that she is smitten with are ones that Jill has or is reprinting. That's true. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about how your mom is the one who convinced you to give Elizabeth Ripley a deeper look, which is what convinced you to... <laughs> insist mm-hmm. again and again and again that she'll print those gorgeous, gorgeous Elizabeth Ripley art books. Yeah, that's correct. Well, I had no idea. Yay, Tanya's mom. Yeah, Jill, she was browsing my shelves and found the Elizabeth Ripley books and before I had read them. And then she took a couple home and came back and said, Oh, you don't even know what you have here on your shelves. These are mm. so good. And that's when I started taking a closer look at them. And then I started bugging you. (laughs) (laughs) And now I agree with you both. So thank you, Tanya. And thank you, Tanya's mom. (laughs) So Jill, how did you come to find your copy of Combat Nurses? I bought an expensive copy online. (laughs) Now, why did you choose to do that? Because you hadn't read it. How were you convinced that that was the right thing to do to invest like that? I hadn't even really heard of it, um, but I was talking with the author's family <laughs> about doing Medical Heroes, and we were agreeing on that, and I had sent them an agreement already, and they were signing it, and then I, just on a whim, I looked up his other books, and I saw Combat Nurses of World War II, and I thought, well, I have to tell the nurse's story if I'm telling the medic's story, mm-hmm. so we added that to the agreement, and then I bought a copy. So, Diane. You and I both read Combat Nurses because of Jill, right? You had never heard of it before? No, I hadn't. She had sent me a copy a while back, and I kind of kept picking it up and going, I really should read that. My do- my granddaughter might like it. And I kept, that eh, doesn't really sound that good. And then pick it up again, and I, I should just see what that's like before I put it away somewhere, you know. And then you guys started talking about it, and when I did read it, I was going, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, she's going to love it. this is one of the things that i find to be so consistent with the landmark books they are so unassuming you look at them and think oh oh okay captain kit great or medical corps heroes okay fine whatever and then you start reading and think oh my goodness what world have i just entered this is amazing i'm so glad we're doing this podcast because i think that people don't understand what they have on their shelves to quote tanya's mom about elizabeth ripley you do not know what treasures you have if you have these and if you're not reading them yet so we encourage you mamas to dig into them so we're going to spend the first part of this podcast talking about the book itself the subject matter we're going to talk about the nurses and their stories and then the second part of the podcast we're going to talk more closely with Jill about the process in reprinting this, what she went through, and and how it came to be. And then we're going to talk about her big news. So let's get started with the book club discussion. So everybody here didn't like the book, right? Until I read it. (laughs) Obviously, I'm completely joking. (laughs) Jeanette, what did you think of the book? Well, it's one of those books, you know, when I bought it, I put it on the shelf with my World War II collection, and I thought, I need to read this. It looks really good, and it's, you know, it's one of those books that's really hard to get, and I should Mm -hmm. read it so I can recommend it to some of my library patrons. And I didn't, and so until I knew I was going to be part of this podcast, and I'm really glad for these podcasts, because like you say, it's making me read the books. So it's kind of a sad refrain of my life that I have all these books that I haven't read. And this is one of them, but now I have, so I'm very glad. It didn't take that long, and I feel like Mm -hmm. I can definitely do more of the landmark books I have. You know, I didn't have it when my children were in the house, because I Mm. just got it in the last maybe two years. It really inspired me to read more landmark books, because they're just extremely well done. Yay. Marvelous. 
Tanya, what about you? What did you think? Yeah, so kind of similar to Medical Corps Heroes, I owned it. And I wasn't sure if it was going to be a dry, difficult, tedious war type book that would probably be worthwhile and worthy of reading for the information, but maybe a little bit tougher to get through. So Mm -hmm. I was so surprised with Medical Corps Heroes at what great storytelling there was. And this one has that similar feel. It was an a mesmerizing read. I didn't want to put it down. It's different from Medical Corps Heroes. I think we can talk about that. The feel is different. Mm. But mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. isn't it? The the feel is different. Yeah. But he still has some really similar things in the implementation of the story and how he presents it. But it was so powerful and so beautiful and so inspiring, especially as a woman. Mm. I felt pretty inspired by the women of that time. And also considering that At one point in the story, I think they said they took women up to almost age 45 as nurses, but -hmm. primarily we would have been seeing women between 18 and, I don't know, 26, 27 years old. That's so incredibly young in my mind. And I have a sister who's an RN and has been an RN Mm -hmm. for 30 plus years. She mostly works in labor and delivery, but she's also done a lot of med surge. And she's shared stories throughout the years, and I just couldn't help but see my sister in the story and mm-hmm. just her personality and how she would have maybe been in the same situation. And it did that made it really real for me, but also just showing how different and unique women are and what they can bring to the table compared to men. So we went from the corpsmen and what they brought. And then we, you know, we yes. go to the nurses and both are so yes. necessary and so needed, but so drastically different in what they can give, even though they have similar skill sets. And he really presented the power of of having the women there with the men. And I just, oh, in fact, I just want to quote (laughs) this very last line. This is the last page of the book. That's a really great place to start. He said, to all of them, these heroic women who had voluntarily endangered themselves to heal broken bodies and broken spirits as well, the entire nation would owe an eternal debt of gratitude. Okay, I have a hard time saying that without tearing up a little bit. I thought, yeah, but there's not that many books that I'm aware of that speak to the nurses, or at least I don't know of them. (laughs) So it was fascinating. Again, you know, Corman gave you a view of World War II in this perspective you'd never considered before. And I think this gives you a view of World War II and various battles from a perspective that you wouldn't normally be familiar with. And I was just captivated. Yeah. You know, my daughter Greta read Combat Nurses and she read Jill's copy. So it's the only copy we have is the Purple House Press copy. And she, first of all, she said it is absolutely one of her top 10 favorite books of all time. And it's her most favorite landmark book, her most favorite history book. And Greta does not like, um, like war books, but she loved this book. But she opened her review and we have her review on our website under the Plumfield Kids section. And she opened her review with that quote, Tanya, because she thought that that quote is so powerful. And she got choked up when she was reading it for her audio version of the review. And I get choked up when I read it because it is a real thing. And when you talk about the differences between the corpsmen and the nurses, I think about the joke that one of the guys made in Guadalcanal when he had been, I think it was Guadalcanal, when he had been injured and he had been waiting like two days for relief and the medics show up and he makes the joke that, um, well, I've been waiting two days. I thought I'd at least get a nurse, but you know, you boys will do. (laughs) There is definitely something that the nurses brought that was distinctly different from the corpsman, not in any way to diminish the corpsman. It was a joke that the guy had said, but the point was that there was a a sweetness and a sensitivity and a maternal care for the patient that I think a lot of those soldiers really needed when they were injured so far from home. And it's remarkable that both of these books are by the same author. So you're really getting the story told in the same voice, but in a different style, a style that is suitable to the subject. So I felt like with the with the boy book, the medical corps, it was more rapid fire. This is all the things that happened. Whereas with the with the nurses book, there was a, a romantic story of a sort that we were invited into 
that uh, felt very feminine. Yeah. And there was another quote where they were talking about how having the women there gave hope to the men. It buoyed their spirits in times that were yes. so dark. It was like they were truly they were truly like a light in the darkness. And there was a quote where it said, the chief surgeon said, these wounded soldiers are brought in here wondering if they are going to die. Then they see a woman and know that war can't be so bad if women nurses are there. A little of that Eve stuff. So just the whole idea that they would see a woman and then they think, okay, it's going to be okay. Like, um, like that feminine side mm-hmm. is comforting. It truly is. It's comforting. And I thought, oh my gosh, yes. Like, And again, you know, growing up, I would think men and 19 to 25 year olds felt old to me when I was a kid reading books. And then I got to be 19 to 25 and it was like, oh, okay. And then I got to be where I am now and I have a 19-year-old son. And now I think those are babies. <laughs> those are babies in war. And I would want there to be a nurse that could comfort my son if he was wounded in war. Yes, definitely. Oh, my gosh. Are we going to cry the this other? 12th episode? <laughs> Probably. Is this going to yes. be the episode where everyone's like, oh, my gosh, where are the tissues? Mamas, go get the tissues. You know, the other one of the other quotes that Greta mentioned in her review that then stuck with me was um, – that the soldiers were feeling that they could hold the line if they knew that they were the last line of defense between them and the nurses. That if the nurses were in the hospitals to care for them, then what they would need to do is hold that line and keep the enemy away from the nurses. It gave them something very specific to fight for when it felt so otherwise daunting. Yeah. You know what? I actually have that quote, Sarah. So that... An official army historian was summing up what happened at Anzio, and he said, In bitter frontline hours, the expression was commonly heard, Well, if the nurses can take it, so can we. The knowledge that they stood as the only line of protection between the enemy and our medical installations on the beachhead strengthened the determination of countless Allied soldiers to fight the enemy with every ounce of energy they could muster. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Anzio. Yeah, the Anzio. chaos that Anzio was. He doesn't discuss Anzio until like the end of the book. And you remember he discussed mm-hmm. it in Medical Corps Heroes. So the whole time I thought, are we going to go to Anzio? And then we got mm-hmm. there. Like, oh, we're going there. <laughs> Did you guys feel like that too? Like, is it coming? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Where is Anzio? And I had never heard of Anzio. I, not, I had no clue. And now I know. And now I think of Anzio and I just, my heart breaks every time. I think that's one of the things that's significant, and we talked about it a little bit last time, but the men in war in Europe, they weren't fighting for their country. Mm. They had lots of different reasons to be there, like maybe they got drafted, but they fight for the men they're with, mm-hmm. even if they were protecting our own country or state or something like that. They're they're not typically thinking of their patriotism while they're in battle. They're thinking of the guy next to them. Mm-hmm. And so that makes a lot of sense that having the women behind them like that would be just another reason to hold the line when you're really not that concerned about the line itself. Yeah. Because this is Italy. I'm I'm not Italian, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not protecting Italy. I'm protecting those women behind me. Yeah. Agreed. This is my favorite paragraph. It says, no matter where the nurses were located, no matter what conditions they had to live under, they tried to make their quarters comfortable and homelike. At Ora Bay on the northeast coast of New Guinea, where the nurses had lived in thatched native huts with dirt floors, the girls made furniture out of old packing crates. They sewed curtains from bed sheets and even parachutes. They put up pictures, painting their own when necessary, and everywhere they had gardens. Wherever the nurses were sent, they took seeds and plants with them. They grew marigolds, bachelor buttons, and morning glories. On many of the islands, tomatoes grew to surprising size. Nasturtiums were not only pretty to look at, but their leaves could be used in place of lettuce and salads. I love that. I can think of them packing up. They don't, they, you know, they have to pack up everything, these little musette bags. And they included plants and they included seeds. And it ended up being not just beautiful to look at, but really useful too. And I just think, you know, if a soldier saw that, like a little flower garden, yeah. I mean, my goodness, what 
how it would just raise their spirits yes. just to know there's civilized life still, you know, around <laughs> them. Yes. So, and the other thing that struck me about this book where these girls came from such um, humble backgrounds. I mean, they were just young in their early 20s, most of them, like you said, you know, just nurses from the Midwest and all over the United States. They, they, they hadn't had a whole lot of experience and they just jumped in with both feet. And when it got really, really hard, you know, they just continued. They encouraged one another. They were just incredible. And Mm -hmm. I just think that was character, you know, in these young women. And it, just made me wonder, do we have that same character today? But also what I appreciated about the book is, I mean, I, the one thing I dreaded reading this book, cause I knew it had a chapter on Bataan and I knew about the Bataan death march and I yeah. thought, Oh no, they're going to, they're going to, and I, I don't, I just can't do torture. And even mm-hmm. though they mentioned torture, it wasn't, you know, something that they elaborated on or told all the details of. I felt like it mm-hmm. was handled very tastefully. I mean, you knew it was happening. You knew these men were really in very, especially the ones on Bataan, were really, really bad shape. It wasn't gratuitous violence or, or torture or anything like that. And I, I appreciate that, even though, you know, you knew what was going on. Yeah. We said that in Medical Corps Heroes as well, that Blasting Game does this beautiful job of telling you exactly how grisly things were without ever making you feel um, yourself abused or tortured or you don't have any... I, I, as a parent, have no fear putting these books in the hands of my children. Mm -hmm. I think that they will understand what's happening without having to quite feel the sting of it. And I think Blessing Game does that beautifully. Clearly, this is a great book. What else did you love about it, ladies? I think a tie-in to what Jeanette had said. So she's talking about how everywhere they went, a lot of times they were working to make it more beautiful. I really kind of appreciated that they also were taking care of themselves to the best of their ability and that that buoyed the men too. There was one part where I loved where they were muddy. You know, they were always muddy. They were always trying <laughs> to look somewhat clean. They had, But there's this one part where this nurse, she was completely covered in mud and she looked, she dug deep in her little musette bag and picked out a ribbon and I think some lipstick and, and put it on. <laughs> and I'm thinking, here she is. She's, you know, she didn't, she wasn't able to wash her face maybe, but she put lipstick on her face and she put a lavender color ribbon in her hair. And when the men saw it, they said, things can't be that bad. They just can't be that bad. And I, I, lo- I love that. You're, you're absolutely right, Tanya. And they knew it wasn't just a vanity thing. No. It wasn't that. They knew the effect it would have, that yes. they were, to these men, they represented all the things they were fighting for, for, you know, for the goodness of America and their moms and their sisters and their sweethearts and their wives. And that's what these nurses represented. And that was so beautifully portrayed on so many levels. You know, men who were horribly injured and felt like their girlfriends would never love them again. And then these sweet nurses were taking care of them and telling them that their girlfriends will just love having them when they come back. And it made all the difference. I just thought that was amazing. I think sometimes we can start to feel like women can be degraded if a man is only looking at her for what she looks like. But I I felt a little bit differently about it here where, did you guys remember the area where they said they learned how to bathe themselves out of just the water they could put in their helmets (laughs) and they made it almost a science. Like they were experts at getting clean with the water that they could put in their helmet. My son, Jack, has told me that story like four times in the last two days. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. He's obsessed with it. It, it It's impressive. But you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to go to that Mm -hmm. effort necessarily. And I just think Mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't about them being eye candy per se, as much as it was about them bringing some normalcy and truly some beauty, just some, right. it is hominess. It just cleanliness makes you feel better. It's like when your home is clean, you feel better. When you see people that are pulled mm-hmm. together and dressed really nicely, you can look and say, wow, like it looks nice. It feels nice. And so I just think that mm-hmm. was just such a buoy to the, to the men. And then also Jeanette, I loved where they, Learn. It said specifically they learned to not have reactions to the injuries that the men had. 
and to yeah. just be able to go in and just comfort and tell them and provide hope. Um, and there was yeah. another scene where a nurse was helping a young man who had been wounded and he was just, the depression was actually starting to kill him. He, yeah, he was slowly just deteriorating because of how he felt about his injuries. And she brought in another man who had worse injuries and it helped buoy his spirits. And so the nurses were making these other connections. And so when that, that quote at the end where it says they were not only healing bodies, but broken spirits, that is yes. as impactful of a service, if yes. not more impactful than the actual healing that they did. And I think there was just snippets of it, snippets of, oh, they made it beautiful. And, you know, I was also thinking, Jeanette, to what you said, not was it just beautiful for the men to be able to see flowers or the the um, the paintings they might have done, but the natives too. The natives are living in war-torn areas. And how horrific for the natives was it in these islands, especially in the Pacific theater, to be destroyed by warring factors that are neither one Beyond from your them. country. Right. Right. And then right. to be able to see mm-hmm. the Americans coming in and, you know, beauty for ashes, I guess. Well, I think about it's often said that war is hell and that the greatest the greatest enemy in the war is the dehumanizing influence that the it's the massacre of the spirit that really is the worst part. And the thing about the women was embracing who they were, just as the men were embracing who they are, what they are made for, what they are, what they can do. These nurses did everything they could do to take care of those in their charge and those in their, in their influence. And they were fighting the war by reducing the dehumanizing influence. And I think that cannot be underestimated and it cannot be overstated enough that their heroism was in trying to stay clean so as to repel the darkness that was clinging to everything they were doing. This wasn't about, like you said, Tanya, this is not about eye candy. This is not about making men happy with girls in skirts. That is not what this is. This is about women clinging to their own humanity and embracing the truth, goodness, and beauty that was in their, their power to control and using that to inspire the truth, goodness, and beauty around them and inspire hope and share hope. And as you say, Tanya, make these connections between the patients so that they could remember the person inside of the body, the wounded, mutilated body in front of them. But the other thing that I really appreciated was they did all these, you know, civilizing influences while they were doing their job. Uh, yes. You know, it was, yes. <laughs> and it was a hard job. I yes. mean, I've worked in hospitals most of my adult life. And, I mean, I would never want to be a nurse. <laughs> I mean, that is a very hard job. And here they did it under not ideal circumstances, mm-hmm. didn't always have the equipment they needed, mm-hmm. you know, didn't go home to a nice, clean apartment or anything, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. They And they were away from their loved ones, and yet they did their job along with doing all these other things that they just knew would would, um, you know, bolster the men's courage and their spirits. And I mean, it was just, to me, that book was just amazing, just seeing these women come into themselves, but also, and you know, and find this strength that they didn't know they had. Yes, and they yes. just were able to just buoy one another up. And it was just, to me, it was just an incredible story of just ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And yeah. really... really affirming, you know, just how they, what were they created to do? They just really did amazing things. And somebody said earlier, um, do we have that kind of character today? And I'm thinking, nope, I am not good at being cold and tired and wet. And they're so often just uncomfortable. I can work. I, I don't have a problem with work, but I really have a problem with being cold. And it seems like <laughs> they were either too hot or too cold the whole time. And I, I just would have so little patience with that. But I do, you know, I know that when you get in a situation where there's nothing you can do about it, you behave differently. But thank you, God, I haven't had to do that. <laughs> well, I think I would have been much more suited for this in my 20s 
as opposed to the age I am right now. Yes, <laughs> true, very true. <laughs> and an, another thing that the nurses did is they helped train all the corpsmen and the medics. Yes, absolutely. Because they had they had the medical training and the corpsmen came in straight out of high school. Yes. There was a part that I so loved. I thought this was, I mean, these are American women. And I thought there was something mm -hmm. that was just so American in the book. And it was just their ingenuity and their courage and their bravery and their I can do it attitude. But they, there was a group of nurses that had to give intravenous injections and they didn't know how to do it. And so they mm -hmm. got together and they said, well, we can't ask the doctors because we don't want them to know that we don't know how to do this. And we can't <laughs> right. ask the corpsmen who've been taught how to do it because we outrank them. So we're going to have to figure out how to do it on our own. And so mm -hmm. they did it on each other until they learned how to do it. I was wowed by that and impressed and just cheering them on and thinking, I don't know that I'd be willing to be a guinea pig without a trainer. I mean, I assume, I mean, <laughs> we know that they had probably seen it happen. They knew the process, but they hadn't ever done it. So for them right. to just say, you know what, buck up girls, everybody lift their, their shirts up because we're going to town and everybody's going to learn how to do this on each other. I'll poke you, then you poke me. <laughs> <laughs> and they and, and they all walked around with all those bruised arms, yeah. you know, because when you miss a vein, you bruise your arms. Yeah, so you right? know there was some there were some hit and misses in that little <laughs> procedure. Oh, I was so proud of them. I thought, go girls. <laughs> I feel like this is such rightly ordered girl power. Yeah. <laughs> girl but, power in the best way. <laughs> and then there was the humorous parts too. The one that I really loved. Um, it said, worse than the Japanese bombs, or so some of the girls thought, were the spiders. This was specifically in the Pacific Theater. And I thought, oh, amen. And then they're talking about <laughs> these giant hairy leg spiders. And then one of the nurses was always, she would never leave without having a shovel with her. So if she was getting into a foxhole, it was with a shovel because of the spiders. I freaked out, you guys. I loathe spiders. I mean, I know spiders are good and they should stay in their own realm and I'll stay in my own realm. And then we can live, you know, we can coexist peacefully together, dear spiders. I don't want them falling on me or being thrown on me or while I'm in a foxhole. That's terrifying. <laughs> you guys, that's terrifying. <laughs> I just happened to find the lavender ribbon quote, and I just wanted to put it in here. So on page 123 in the Purple House Press version, quite unconscious of what she was doing, Lieutenant Rensky took off her helmet and ran her fingers through her blonde hair. Then she opened the battered, mud-stained musette bag she was carrying and searched through it until she found a wrinkled lavender hair ribbon. Casually, she tied it in her bright hair. And from the passing trucks, a great cheer went up. Many of the men going into battle would take with them the memory of the pretty woman in filthy combat clothing and the lavender ribbon in her blonde hair. And I thought, how like it is in the Middle Ages when a knight would take the scarf of his of his intended or his um you know the girl that he loved and tie that around his arm carry her with him into battle there's some power there that we we shouldn't be quick to dismiss in the name of feminism Tani was talking about some of the humor, and one of my favorite parts, too, was, it was just, I mean, the girls never lost their sense of humor, and I love that about this story, because there were times when I definitely <laughs> would not be um, making jokes. But mm -hmm. this is on, well, this is on page 169 of the original one, but it says, but this is talking about when the women were prisoners of war on um, yeah. one of the Japanese islands. But the prisoners had a quality that their Japanese captors did not seem to understand. The British and Americans kept their sense of humor. From the first, the Japanese had demanded that whenever a prisoner passed a Japanese army officer, the prisoner must stop and bow. Anyone who did not would be punished, perhaps beaten. So the Americans bowed and made jokes about it. One day, Ruth and Minnie were leaving the hospital when they saw a Japanese officer approaching. Ruth looked at her friend, grinning. Do you have your curtsy already? I'd like to drop him a curtsy, Minnie said, right on his flat head. 
Both nurses laughed, and the officer approached them angrily. He spoke English and for ten minutes lectured them on manners. You do not behave properly, he told them. You are a conquered people. Your nation has been defeated. You have lost face, yet you do not show proper respect for your conquerors. You have no right to laugh. Only a people with no self-respect can laugh at defeat. The girls listened to him. When he was finished, they bowed politely. The officer walked away. Then the nurses looked at each other and broke into howls of laughter, for they did not believe they were defeated, nor would they ever be defeated, so long as they kept the ability to laugh at adversity. Amazing. Just incredible. Just awesome. This, this is, they're prisoners of war, and they're still encouraging each other. They're finding humor in dreadful situations that that to me was just really amazing i agree so one of the quotes that my daughter greta loves best is this is on page 42 in the purple house press edition when the planes overhead were german and the air raid sirens howled in the night all the nurses on and off duty had to go to their stations chief nurse pato insisted that they wear their helmets We have a lot more casualties from bumping into things in the blackout, she said, than we do from German bombs. (laughs) It's just so funny. I mean, the air raid sirens are going off. They're about to be bombed. But put your helmet on, ladies, because you're going to bump into things and you're going to have more problems with that than you are from the bombs. It's it's just their spirit was unbreakable and adorable. So what else should we say, ladies? What else should we tell people about this? Or what do you want them to know? Well, I do think one thing that was so interesting is the different theaters of war that were covered in this book. And the other wonderful thing about this book is that the maps were included of both the European theater of war as well as the Pacific Mm -hmm. theater of war. And all the places mentioned, you know, were on the map so you could just see you know, where exactly they were. But it was just such an incredible... I mean, it wasn't just one story of one person. There were so many people in so many places. And throughout it all ran this spirit of, you know, can-do-ism and um, encouragement and um, supporting one another, supporting the men that they were nursing. I mean, it was just no matter where they were, there were these stories. It was just un- unbelievable. And it was just such a, a picture of another side of the war that you do not hear that often. Matter yes. of fact, almost never. I was thinking there are some similar books, like there's a book about Florence Nightingale and the Crimea. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's really interesting too. And I think there's there are several other women nurses who I know I have books on. I can't remember. One is Edith somebody or Edith other. Cavell, and it's a signature biography. Go. Yeah, there we go. I, I worked yes. really hard to find that one. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have that one. And I thought, you know, there are books about nurses, but not with the scope of this book. You right. know, those books are about one person. And I'm, their stories, I'm sure, are very compelling. Again, I, I echo my refrain. I have not read those books. They're on my shelf, but I haven't read them. But, um, I, you know, just the, this particular book, just the scope of, you just get an idea of how, you know, huge the war was and um, how these nurses were, they were everywhere. They yes. were really, and, and wherever they went, you found the same spirit. And it was just, it, it just really gave me I, I love reading about World War II. Some of some of it can get pretty gritty and grisly and I especially love reading about, you know, resistance movements and things mm-hmm. like that. But these women were their own resistance movement, right? Yes. yes. They didn't have to be <laughs> behind enemy lines. They no. were they were doing it. They were fighting against the darkness, like you said, Sarah. Yes. And it really is just a, a beautiful, beautiful story. Yes. Agreed, Jeanette. I totally agree. One thing I would say about the book in general is that, like I said, I kind of was picking it up and putting it down and didn't really get started. And then I was going to read it just a little bit at a time. (laughs) And I got uh, maybe halfway through it and then just finished the whole thing in one night. I thought, (laughs) I don't care what else I need to do. I need to get through this and find out if, you know, how everybody comes out. Like, I don't know how World War II ends or something, (laughs) but um, I just needed to get through the rest of the story. It was it was just became more and more compelling as I went. Mm-hmm. Well, these are pieces of World War II that I had never heard before, mm-hmm. before I read these two books. Yes. I didn't know anything about the Pacific Theater, the North African Theater, 
you know, it was like mainly we had concentrated on the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just nice to see this point of view, especially from a woman's point of view, since that's who we are. Yes. Yeah, the other thing I think that I really loved, um, and I think this is important for girls reading the book, and I think it's important for boys who read the book, was that Agreed. the nurses were brave and courageous. There was a lot mm-hmm. of ingenuity, humor, laughter, mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. but they were also well-respected when it, when, yes. when they were in battle and it came down to it, the nurses were well-respected. And I think there were probably a lot of men that wondered, and I think it mentioned that there were men who wondered if the women should be there. And, and mm-hmm. you know, that's a good question. I don't think they mean that in a demeaning way, but war is awful. And I think men have mm-hmm. a desire to protect women from that. Um, mm-hmm. But the nursing is a needed aspect of war. And you had yes. nurses that were, while maybe not right on the front lines, like where the corpsmen were going to the front lines with the mm-hmm. men, with the soldiers, and then bringing them back to a first aid station. And then, you know, there were these kind of lines, and then you'd get to like the next level hospital, and then you'd get to a ship hospital, sure. and then you'd get back to the States, right? They kind of, this book did a great job of kind of showing you the process of how you are wounded, and then how you get moved through the different stations mm-hmm. and marked. But you see a great level of respect for what the women brought. Mm-hmm. And there was a part where they're in the North Africa theater and they pull the nurses back um, out for just a little bit. And it says on September 13th, the official hospital diary noted. Oh my goodness. Okay. The fact our nurses are not with us is costly. And then two days later, Quote, the fact our, nur- fact our nurses are not with us has proved a serious handicap to our medical and surgical staffs. Like they couldn't function to the level that they could when they had the nurses. So it wasn't just that it's nice to have them. It wasn't like, oh, that's nice extra help. Well, thank you girls for enlisting and coming along. It was you were a needed necessary component to the success of this endeavor. And it was literally all hands on deck. And that's important. It's like when Moses has to hold his arms up and Joshua and Aaron have to hold him up and they get fatigued and his arms go or in his arms come down and they begin to lose the war. These nurses served in that same capacity. They needed to hold the arms up. And I think, Tanya, you're so right. Jack loves this book. My 11-year-old boy loves this book. And I think it shows him what he already knows to be true, that women are smart and powerful and excellent and needed and worthy and worthy compatriots in any endeavor. But I do think about, remember when we were growing up in the 80s and there was this big question about whether or not women should be subjected to the draft and whether or not women should be put into combat positions. And there's, you know, there's a lot of debate about that, and I'm not trying to unpack that. But I I so clearly remember from that moment the argument that men cannot abide the screams of women, that when they hear the screams of women, something primal in them responds to that. And I think that it applies here to this book, that the power that women have to evoke feeling in men in battle is huge. So having those women there brought out the best in the men who were fighting. These women were a key ingredient in the success of our war. And the respect that the allies had for the contributions that women make is very different than the way the enemy saw women. The enemy did not think as highly of women. And perhaps that was at their own peril. I just wanted to say that we are doing World War II right now in our homeschool. And my boys and my girl and I are reading a whole variety of books that are just so neatly, neatly connected to each other. This year, we don't have any curriculum. (laughs) We don't have a reading list or curriculum for our humanities. We just have Purple House Press. (laughs) This is an all Purple House Press year for us. Um, But we finished Tangled Skein, which is also a very remarkable World War II story and the power of girls and women and resistance. Of course, here at Plumfield, we love Hilda von Stockholm and The Borrowed House. And that's another brilliant book that my boys love. 
but centers on girls. And so I think there's a lot of really neat books out there that you could do together if you were going to do a a thematic book club or a little unit study or something like that. But Jeanette and Diane, didn't the two of you find books that you thought connected kind of nicely to this one? Yes, there were other landmarks. There's And the We Were There books, I think, connect really beautifully with this. Mm. So the We Were There at Pearl Harbor, that was mm-hmm. one of my favorite books growing up as a child. I just, mm. it put me right there, right there <laughs> on the field when it was bombed and all the battleships were sunk. It was Neat. just, you know, it's, again, it's told from the viewpoint of children, right? So right. it's um, just extremely well done. I think it was an officer's children who, um, you know, they took that viewpoint in writing the book. Um, but then there's a We Were There, I think, at Iwo Jima, so I'm sure mm-hmm. that would have a lot of connections. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm, I know there's the March of Bataan. I've never been. I've never read that one, and I'm mm-hmm. afraid to read it, <laughs> right. to be quite honest. But um, there is. There are several books on Bataan. I think there's a landmark one and a We Were There, if I'm if I remember correctly. But you know, all the we, so many We Were There's on World War II. Yeah. I think would would connect extremely well. There's the D-Day invasion. Yep. That's a great story. So um, again, I'm not sure they would center very much on nurses, but they definitely would give you um, more of a, you know, individual battle kind of view of the war. Nice. Yes. And my non-history loving son loved the We Were There books. So if you have one who is sort of resistant, he really liked the We Were There books. He felt like they were very action oriented and uh, very engaging the one I read was not for kids. Jill had posted a website, Dandy Daly's website, and she had written a story about her mother and father who met in the war and got married in the middle of it. And then were she was a nurse and he was a doctor, and they spent the whole war separated and constantly trying to get to even see each other. But they wrote to each other every day, sometimes several times a day, and when they died, she had to go through over 600 letters to put together the story of her parents. Wow. And wow. so it was really interesting, but it's not, and there's not like, it's a Christian romance, so there's nothing wrong with it other than it might be a little bit more relationship than kids would appreciate. But it is still very interesting, connected with the nurses, just because it goes back and forth from points of view when, you know, here's where Mm -hmm. she was and he's, here's where he was. And and they are in Europe the whole time, France and Germany. Um, So I thought it was pretty good, especially for, can I say this? (laughs) Especially for a modern novel. Uh, I don't (laughs) usually care too much about those, but she did a very good job of telling the story. I thought. And then in the medical core heroes, Diane, you and I mentioned that not for kids, but maybe for older high school readers, uh, I definitely recommend though you go and check out our review so you can see a couple of the problem spots. But a town like Alice, moms, if you yourself don't have a strong understanding of the Pacific Front, it is a book that's interesting. But what Diane said in our Medical Corps Heroes was it's important that it's only half of the stories, the war, the second half is what happens after. And I think that that's always, it's always important to remember that, you know, once the war is over, these people continue to live in a place, in a place that bears the memories and the scars of the war. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a good moment to switch gears and talk about the fact that Combat Nurses was a unicorn. It wasn't like Captain Kidd unicorn, but it was definitely a unicorn. And as Jeanette said, she had to find hers from a German seller. Um, and and when Jill went to publish it, she had to go and buy an expensive copy in order to do so. So thanks to Jill, we now have a beautiful new Purple House Press version of Combat Nurses that looks just like the original. It is uh, same cover as the original, and it has line drawings, and it's lovely. And we recommend it. But Jill has news. (laughs) When I first did Combat Nurses, it was last summer, so it was about June of 2021, and I did not start working on Medical Heroes until October of this year. I thought it was just going to be very hard to get permission to use the photographs. There are about 50 in the book. But once I was done... And I had read the story, and I compared it to Combat Nurses, which I liked a lot last year when I read. 
but I just realized that I felt more there Mm -hmm. with the medical core heroes books because I saw pictures of what they went through. I saw pictures of them. I saw what they had to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking, you know, (laughs) maybe I could do this for combat nurses. So that is what I have been working on for about the last month or so. And I'm about halfway through it. And it's probably going to be another month or two before I'm done. But I found some really remarkable photos of these nurses, the places where they lived, what they had to go through. Just been amazing. And for some of them, I have been able to match up exactly a picture for a line drawing because you all were talking about those nurses washing out of their helmets how they they would take a big water jug those big square things they set their helmets on were the water jugs they would pour water in their helmets and then put their helmets on top of the water jug and they somehow (laughs) use that to take a bath and wash their hair and do all sorts of things but I found a picture of four nurses in a row doing that washing up out of their helmets and it's just so amazing because it's When you see a line drawing, you know, it gives you the information, but Mm -hmm. when you see a photograph of it, it's just so much more real. Yeah. I mean, like you were there, you see like their grubby helmets and you see them washing out of them. It's just amazing. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really excited about having these two books, the combat nurses and medical heroes. They're going to have matching covers. They're going to have similar photographs. And I just think it's, I think it's nice to have options. Like we're going to have both books there of combat nurses. So people can choose if they want the original style or the one with photographs. But I, I'm just having a lot of fun researching these nurses and finding the right pictures. I just think it's going to make their story so much more real. So I think my house is going to have two copies now of combat nurses. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I, but I will say this. I mean, my daughter's an artist, and I really love drawings. And I felt like the drawings in this book were just gesturally so incredible. I mean, it wasn't a clear black and white drawing. I mean, it was like little blurry at times, but you knew exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated the illustrator's art very much, but I, I will buy another book just for the photographs. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how That's I felt. Marvelous. I love the illustrations in this book. I thought they were phenomenal mm-hmm. and detailed without being graphic. So you got a feel for it. So I'm also going to have probably both copies because I also love the illustrations. Well, Medical Core Heroes, I loved that there are illustrations, but those original kind of grainy, you know, from the 60s quality printings aren't great. So Jill's updated, a lot more clear, beautiful pictures is going to be incredible. So to have a matching set, I just, I'm going to have that one too, (laughs) because it's a different experience. Yes. And I am a sucker for covers. Mm -hmm. You know, we always talk about reading as an experience. And so... It is absolutely about getting the story into you, for sure. But sometimes the only way you get the story off the shelf is if the cover draws you in. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's something to be said for the covers, the spines matching each other. It's just, it's like, oh, I read one, I should read the other. I found an amazing picture to use on the front of combat nurses. It's five flight nurses in their flight suits walking away from their... Um, their hospital plane behind them and so they're on the tarmac and it's just it's just so good (laughs) (laughs) so jill you have a special story about one of the pictures so so far all the pictures you have found are public domain but there's one in particular you really wanted and it isn't public domain I found out that there are fewer pictures of nurses in World War II than there were the corpsmen because they were in combat and the nurses were not in combat Mm -hmm. So I was having a little bit of a hard time finding some pictures that I wanted um, to use. And I was looking through the Library of Congress, and I noticed that they had a veterans oral history project. So I thought, like, what is that? You know, I have to go look at it. And they had interviewed 30 nurses. And I noticed that if the nurse's picture was in color and she was an old woman, that meant that that was the only photo associated with her oral history. 
they had a picture of her in black and white when she was younger during the war, then that meant that she also contributed some of her own pictures to her oral history. So I went through all of those, and I found a wonderful picture of when the nurses were boarding their ship to Europe. And it said that they were wearing their winter uniforms, they were wearing their helmets, they had their gas masks, their musette bags, their bedrolls, and their canteens. They got to the docks and they boarded their ship. And I so badly wanted to show a picture of that. And Isabel Cook had one. So I thought, oh, this is great. You know, I thought it's Library of Congress. That means it's public domain, right? So I can use it. So then I noticed there's this little button called rights. So I clicked on it and said, this picture is not in the public domain. And I thought, oh, great. You know, (laughs) and it said, contact us for further information. So I thought, well, you know, I have to write to a government agency. They'll probably get back to me after the, the book is already published. But I sent my request in anyway, saying I would like to use this picture in a book I'm doing on World War II. Two hours later, I got a reply from them saying, oh, we're so thrilled you were going through these nurses' histories. That means a lot to us. Yay! And um, yes, and it said, you're going to have to ask Isabel Cook's family for permission to use that photo. And, and, and they said, here's her obituary. This is all the information we have on her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, okay. Because <laughs> that's how, that's the way that I usually use to find out how to get rights for a book. As I look through the person's obituary and I thought, well, you know, this might take a while too. So I read through it. I got her son's name. I Googled and boom, it popped up. (laughs) He was living in Texas. He was a doctor. I called the doctor's office and this was like the day before Thanksgiving and their receptionist answered the phone. I said, you know, this is going to be a really weird question I'm going to ask you, but is Dr. So-and-so, was his mother... Isabel Cook, was she a nurse in World War II? And and the woman just said, yes. Like, she must get asked this a lot, you know? (laughs) (laughs) They said, well, I I found her history on the Internet, and she had contributed some pictures, and I'd like to ask permission to be able to use one of those in a book I'm doing. And the nurse took down my information and said she'd have the doctor's wife get back to me on the permissions. And so I waited, and I thought, well, it's Thanksgiving, you know. uh, It's going to take her a while. And so finally, the Monday after Thanksgiving, I got an email saying, oh, we're so thrilled that you liked Isabel's picture. Can you tell me more about how you're going to use it? And so I told her, and she replied the next day and said, How lovely for you to help honor these amazing, courageous women. I know Isabel would have been truly touched. So she was giving me permission to do it, and I said, I will give any credit you want in the book for the picture. And she said, please credit the photo from the loving family of Isabel Cook. And that just just made me cry, you know? So I'm so happy I I get to use that picture of the nurses and all their gear with their bedrolls and their musette bags. And it's just, I'm just so happy. So awesome. I think about the power of these books and their ability to honor those who came before us, honor their sacrifice and inform us and edify us for the future. How important it is that we have these stories in our lives and that they continue to live on. And Jill, it is a true work of good that you are doing by reprinting these books so that they are available to a new generation and that they will continue to live on. Well, thanks. I think that these books are treasures. These books are so worthy. And for any homeschool mama out there who's fretting about a history curriculum, I don't think we can say this enough. You cannot go wrong with putting your money into landmark books, whether you buy the vintage copies or you buy Jill's reprints, I'd say go through the landmark books and figure out which ones you like and then supplement around them. Make the series your spine and build your lessons around that. Um, You will be engaged. And because the landmark books are all written by people who were 
absolutely the best of their field, who the passion, most passionate of their field, you are going to get such vibrant stories that are told in completely different voices. So even if you don't like one particular author, that's okay. It's not like you lost the whole series. You just choose another author to read. And these stories are told in such a way that they live in your heart long after you've read the book. Thank you, ladies, for your time today, Tanya and Jeanette and Jill. Thanks for spending your afternoon with us. Thank you so much for having us. Well, I love talking about books and books that encourage us and put courage in our hearts. And like you said, remind us of stories that we don't know that really happened are just worth their weight in gold. And I want to thank Jill for reprinting this book. It's just an amazing book. Thank you so much, Jill. Well, it's just really nice to hear your reactions to the stories, Jeanette. I just want to thank you for telling people about these books. It means a lot that you're getting the word out. Well, Jill, we owe you a debt because you're giving us books to tell people about. And (laughs) the least we can do is help people know about them. That way there are more books. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. 